open your Bibles with me to Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6. I want to read some scripture this morning before we get rolling. Proverbs chapter 6, starting in verse 16. We've uh, right in the middle or towards the tail end, technically, of a series in the book of Proverbs called the Summer of Wisdom and just leaning practical skills and information on how to live life well, right? We want to live our best life and we want to live out God's best in our lives. And so Proverbs 6 uh, is kind of where we're going to go today. I want to read you this uh, section of scripture, verse 16 through 19. This is what it says out of the New International Version translation of the Bible. It says this, there are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Six things the Lord hates, seven that are just oh, detestable. Now, that's a literary writing term. Solomon is using a, a, a writing technique to basically say there's six things, now nah, there's seven things. Okay, it's really just an indicator that this is not a complete or an exhaustive list, but this list is very valuable nonetheless. In other words, there's more that could be added, but for sake of time, I'm going to give you six. Nah, I'll go ahead and give you seven. Seven things that the Lord just finds anti him. Verse 17 says, he starts to list them. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked schemes. Feet that are quick to rush to evil. A false witness who pours out lies. And a person who stirs up conflict in the community. I want to talk to you for the next couple minutes that we have together on the subject of pet peeves. Pet Peeves. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We know it's alive. We ask, Lord, that you would speak something specific to us. Holy Spirit, I invite you to come. Take the words that come out of my mouth, tailor them to every situation and to every person so that it would bring encouragement and practical insight to every person who's hearing these things today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody who agrees said, amen. I have a few pet peeves, six, maybe seven of them. I have pet peeves, things like fingernails that get too long that make me click the screen on my phone and keyboard and my iPad, that clicking sound, can't do it, nope, won't do it, pet peeve. Uh, when people don't say thank you, can't do it, don't, that just gets me a little bit, right? Got to have a moment with Jesus. Jesus, help me take the wheel right now, right? You just, something about it just, just doesn't work. Um, anything, this is, uh, and this is my defense of people, so y'all just going to have to, well, Jesus, help you. Uh, anything that is designed with clip art and has more than two fonts on it, basically really bad church communication pieces drive me batty. Bad flyers and information, I'm just like, I don't even want to look at that right now. Some, somebody took words and threw them up on a page, and I'm like, I, I, don't, I don't know. It's, it's a personal thing. I get it. It's just who, who I am. Forgive me, but that's just one of those things for me. People who don't respond to emails, uh, that's not like a, a, I'm just saying, sometimes you send something, you're like, hey, did, it, did anybody get that? Did I don't know. I didn't see the delivered. I love text messaging for that very reason. I know you read it. So uh, what you going to say back? People who drive in the fast lane but are slow, 
We're about to have revival in this place. I feel it. I feel it. And then people who are late and don't apologize for it. As if it just should be assumed that it's okay to always be, be late. Now, I know some of you are like, what time did church start today? Hope pastor didn't see it. I didn't see who came in late today. I ain't talking about you. I'm probably talking about your neighbor. So it'll all be all right today. But those are some of the things that, that bother me. And we all have things that kind of drive, drive us nuts. In fact, so many of you, I, I put it out on social media this week. Hey, what are some of your, your pet peeves? And 130-something comments later... We could write a novel, and apparently we all need Jesus. That's all, all I'm saying. Like, like here was a big one. Uh, don't like people who chew loudly, chew with their mouth open. Like, those people, that's people are like, hey, pastor, why don't we have some potlucks? Because you chew funky, right? And, like, we're trying to keep unity in the church, and apparently a lot of you hate the way other people eat. Like, I think I'm watching a cow eat right now. They are chewing the cud, and they just need to swallow and be quiet a little bit. So some of you, you need to have forgiveness. You need to forgive your spouse. I mean, the people that live in your, in your, in your house need to rain, rain that in. So some of you said things like uh, people who don't uh, put toilet paper back in when it gets empty. People who leave dishes on the sink instead of the empty dishwasher. Uh, don't look at me, honey. That's not funny. About to have to do some apologize. I put my coffee cup in the dishwasher this morning. Thank you very much because I was not going to be a hypocrite standing up here telling you to put your dishes away and your pastor didn't, didn't do that. We all have these, these things and many of you had a lot and I had a great time reading them to be honest and peering into your soul and uh, send them on to a psychologist for him to review and tell me what I need to preach for the night. No, I didn't do any of those things. That would be funny, though. Uh, it was a great time. But, but what I noticed is that there were some that kind of, some things that bother us that are just kind of pet peeves. They're just kind of petty things. But it's when things cross a personal line, when things cross a moral boundary for us, that somewhere in there it crosses into a personal core value it's when those things happen, like lying to us, not being honest, saying you'll do something and then you don't do it. There are some moral things that, that sometimes people do, and we have discovered that, that it's those things that oftentimes cross over some personal boundary that make it really difficult to continue a friendship to continue a relationship. There are some things that happen in life that bring a separation to the friendship and to the relationship that that make it really difficult to come back from. I've heard it said that core values aren't things necessarily that are important to you. Well, this is important, that's important, that's, that's a part of it. But I've heard it said that a core value, especially for a business, an organization, a church, a core value is something that you're willing to lose friendships because of. A core value is something that you're willing to let somebody walk a different direction, but you yourself cannot and will not move from that conviction. Here at Faith Church, we have seven such things. We call them mindsets. We have seven mindsets that we are absolute, resolute on. We're not moving from those things. Things like Jesus Christ is the center and his word is our compass. You want to come and preach something other than Jesus? That's fine. You're going to find another place to do it. Why? Because we will let you walk out of here over something as it relates to who Jesus is because he's the real thing. We're here for Jesus. His word, it's unchanging, it's alive, and it's our compass. That's what we use to navigate 
throughout all of our lives. Why do we lift our hands and praise? Because the Bible tells us to. Why do we sing a song? Because the Bible, all those things that we talked about today at our transition point of worship, all of those things were directly from Scripture. So it compass, it gives us navigation on how we lift our hands. It's a core value for us. And we are willing to say goodbye. We love you. Be blessed. But we're not moving. We're not changing. For you in your life, you probably have some said core values like that. Things that are just, man, they're deal breakers when it comes to relationships. Things that if, if somebody crosses this personal core conviction line for you, it's really hard to continue having healthy relationships with, with that person. Friends, God has such a list too. And it's not that God walks away from any person. Don't hear me saying that. It's not that God uh, begins to hate people because he doesn't hate anybody, because he already paid the ultimate price for everybody. But there is a list of things that we read here in Proverbs chapter 6 where God is saying, hey, here are some things that cross some personal lines. The, the, the scripture that we read said that he, ha- he hates them, that, that it's like so uh, anti him. In other words, these things that we just read are so anti the character of God that any time we begin to do these things on a consistent basis, when these things become our characteristics in our life, it's really hard to have a healthy relationship with God. And we're going to dive into these and walk these through. And you might have, at first pass, read those things and been like, yeah, those are pretty rough things. I don't do those. That's, that's good. This will be a nice, easy sermon. I'm going to kick back. I'm going to relax. But hold, hold yourself for one second. I want to invite you to, as we walk back through these, To open your heart and say, God, is there a characteristic that's growing or that has been established in my heart that is not like your character? And I want us to to listen and read these with, with a little bit of an open heart and allow the Holy Spirit to breathe fresh life into something, to allow some things in our life. And maybe it's not so much that it's been something in our life, but maybe it's we've allowed it to be around us in our life. And we need to draw a little bit different of a distinction with the things that we're having and affecting and influencing our lives. So I want to get into this. Number one that he lists in his list of six, let's call it seven things that are kind of uh, at the core uh, that go anti, completely against. These are the antithesis, the opposite of who God is. Uh, These seven things that we're going to talk about are complete opposites to who God is and his character. The first one that Solomon list is haughty eyes. Everybody say haughty eyes. Haughty eyes. Haughty eyes. We, we actually talked about having a haughty spirit at the beginning of this series. I don't know if you were here for it. Go back and listen to some of the first ones that we did in this series. But we talked about having haughty, a haughty spirit or haughty eyes. Haughty eyes is being convinced that you deserve better than however it is that you're being treated. You could, you could say it this way. Entitlement. Having an attitude of entitlement in your life. And uh, earlier in the series, we used the illustration of, you know whether or not you have an issue with this um, as to how you react in a restaurant when you get bad service and you think you should get better service. How, how is your attitude affected by that waiter or waitress? Because if you... Th- so deserve something better and it's getting under your skin, perhaps there's an entitlement issue that God is trying to draw attention to in, in your heart. 
it's this idea of, of entitlement. Here's another way to, to know if um, your entitlement uh, kind of is, is a little bit higher. You got a little kind of walking in some haughty eyes if you kind of wrestle with this. Um, because the very first thing that begins to leave your life when you're walking in entitlement or walking with these haughty eyes, here it is, joy. When your joy meter starts to get really low, it's because your entitlement meter is a little too high. When your joy meter is low, it's likely an indicator that your entitlement meter is a little bit too high. I heard Pastor Stephen Furtick uh, a couple weeks ago preach an entire message almost just on this thought, and it just so, it, it was so enlightening to me because there were things in my life that weren't exuding and exemplifying joy, and I was kind of frustrated by it. I wasn't sure why, and I began to realize that that the issue wasn't disappointment. The issue wasn't um, that I, it, it was, the only issue was that in my heart, I was feeling entitled, haughty eyes, feeling I should be treated differently. Haughty eyes is a complete dishonor to another person. It's, it's a complete lack of honor being given or shown to somebody else when we live with haughty eyes. And God says, haughty eyes, this entitlement, it is very anti my character. You will not find an entitlement characteristic within the heart of God. There are things that he's worthy of that he deserves, but he doesn't lose his joy when you don't act according to his worthiness. Haughty eyes, haughty eyes. Here's, here's the second one. A lying tongue. A lying tongue. Have you ever had somebody in conversation say, you know, I'll be honest with you? Which then makes you wonder, what were you doing a minute ago? I'll tell you the truth. Okay, tell me a lie. I don't know. Like, let's. And I get it. It's a bit of a turn of a phrase. And I know I've said this a lot of times. And most of the time when I'm saying it, it's not because. I've been lying to you. It's just I haven't been giving you the full weight of the truth because you can't handle the full weight of the truth of what perhaps my opinion is or what I believe to be right in your own life. Because there's a lot of people that come, Pastor, talk to me about this. What do you think about this? Well, I'm going to tell you some of what you need to know, but I can't tell you everything you need to know because we don't have that relational equity for me to make such a big withdrawal from that bank. And so you have to kind of walk it out. And then there are some people that just keep, keep going. They keep going. And I'll be like, okay, fine. You want honesty? I'll give you, here it, here it all comes. You better buckle up, buttercup. <laughs> A lying tongue is the antithesis of God. If you are hearing something that has a shred of truth but not a complete truth, perhaps it is the native tongue of deception. And there is one person in this world who cannot speak anything but deception. He's your adversary, the devil. He can't help but speak lies. In fact, he's such a liar that the Bible calls him the father of lies. And the dangerous thing is he will use your feelings to convince you of something that you think is true, but it's not really true. And the reason why this is such a big deal to God is because for most of us, the pain that we've experienced in our life, the, let me rephrase that, the lingering effect of the pain that we've experienced in our life has come because quickly after the event occurred, we believed a lie about that event. 
It's not so much that somebody hurt us. It's that we believe that we got hurt because we deserve to be hurt. It's not so much that that the relationship ended. It's that we believe that we are now unlovable. And that's the lingering pain of the experience that sticks with us. The sting isn't so much just in the experience. It's in the lie that we believe following the experience. And God says, can't do it. I can't do it. Lying tongue, it just doesn't work. Pride often will cause you to lie. A white lie here, a little lie there. Let me say it in a way that lets me save face today. Instead of just apologizing that you missed the deadline, you offer lots of excuses as to why Perhaps the deadline wasn't missed, but never actually own up to the fact that you missed the deadline. And so we lie and we move and we shift with our words because pride won't allow us to actually be honest. You know how you can notice somebody who is humble? Just listen to the way they talk because they are honest without explanation. They are honest without pointing out how honest they are. You want to know somebody who's humble? Just listen to how they talk. Why? Because pride will always lead us to speak an untruth. Always cause us to speak a lie. A lying tongue is contrary to who God is. Number three, the third one that that Solomon lists is this. Killing innocent lives. Now, I don't think this is going to be a, long, a big stretch for many of us to believe. And uh, I doubt many of us have really wrestled with this thought or this idea. But I wanted to at least expound on the reality to us that when there is a loss of innocent life, God grieves. Doesn't matter if it's in America, in the Sudan, or in the Middle East. When an innocent life is taken... The heart of God grieves. Now, he doesn't say that those who defend an innocent life by taking another life. That's not what he said. This isn't permission for war, nor is it a word against war. This isn't a a verse against our police force, nor is it a, a verse that we can use against capital punishment. I'm not here to make a statement on any one of those things. All I'm here to say is the loss of innocent lives grieves the heart of God. Why? Because God is a life-giving God. He does not take life. He is a life-giving God. Number four, the fourth thing that's just a complete opposite of the character of God, is this, devising wicked schemes, a heart that devises wicked schemes, a heart that devises wicked schemes. Now, this, uh, if you go back, if you start looking in the original language, and I was kind of doing that a little bit this week, and, and it gives the, the connotation and the understanding of this, somebody who architects something that is deceitful. 
a wicked scheme, devising wicked somebody who architects, engineers, arranges a deceitful scheme. You could say it with one word. Are you ready for it? Manipulation. Manipulation, another form of lying, is deceit lived out. I'm going to manipulate you. I'm going to say what I need to say to get you to do what I want you to do. I'm going to not do something to get you to do what I want you to do. I'm going to withhold something. Using manipulation to get your way is devising wicked schemes in your heart, and it is not the character of God. You want to know why you have such a hard time believing that God is good and believing that uh, God wants to give you good gifts and that salvation really is a free gift and you don't have to perform to receive said gift? You want to know why we have such a hard time with those things? Because we live in a world that isn't that way. We live in a world that says, if you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. We live in a world, and we have relationships that are built on a foundation of manipulation. I'm going to put my best foot forward and not let you see the real me until later on in the relationship. Then you get the real me, and if you don't like it, you're stuck. And we live and we build our relationships based on a set thing of manipulating principles. And if we are motivated by manipulation to get our way, if we are using manipulation to to get our way, if, here's another way of looking at manipulation, if you are scheming to get attention, what can I do to get, let me throw a pretty cryptid thing up on Facebook so people start feeling sorry for me and then speak to me and all of a sudden now I start feeling valued and loved because I've put out, right? I know it's getting awful quiet in this church. It's all right. What, what is that? That's using manipulate. That's scheming with an evil heart. I'm going to put up a prayer request, but it's not really a prayer request. I just need to say some things and ask people to pray about it afterwards. What is that? That's manipulation. It's actually another form of something else, and we're going to get to that here in a minute, but I don't want to take that, that, that illustration just too early. Here's another way that we, we play the manipulation and we scheme and architect. When we play the victim card. When we play the victim card, it's always somebody else's fault, always something else. What are we doing? We're manipulating other people to meet a need that they were never designed to meet. That is not the heart of God. You don't have to perform. You don't have to do anything for God to love you, to bless you, and to give. Now, there are things that we can do that hurry up the process in God's timeline. There are some things that we can do to better position ourselves before the Lord. But our positioning before the Lord is not about our behavior. It's about our faith. It's about our faith. And, and so if we are not careful, we will become people who are always manipulating God, trying to manipulate our spouse, manipulate our kids, manipulate our boss, manipulate the work relationships. And what are we doing? We are scheming evil things. And in those moments, we are anti-God. We are living anti-God's ways. And we wonder why we feel distant from God. It's because our characteristics aren't lining up with his characteristics and it's creating separation in the relationship. I know that this is a really pointed word today, 
But hang on with me, hope's coming. Solutions are on the way here in just a minute. We just got to get through all seven. Number five. He says, here's another one. Rushing to do evil. Feet that are quick to be evil. And I know when I first read that, I was like, man, I'm not, there's not like an evil, malicious bone in my body, God. I don't, I don't know about this one. And then I studied it out a little more. And I was like, Jesus, could we have not just shown me that? That would have been great. Here's, here's really, if you break it down and you really get into it, here's, here's what he's saying. Those that are quick to return rash retaliation. Quick to retaliate. To make a rash decision right there. Here's how it plays out in my life. I'm driving. Somebody gets up behind me as I'm driving. They get awful too close. They could almost kiss me if they wanted to. They get a little too close. They give me one finger saying hello, honking their horn. And I'm like, hey, this is my lane. Get up. I'm in the right lane. The literal, like I'm in the right. You can go on the left side if you'd like, pal. And they start going. And then all of a sudden they they cut in front of you. And then they slow down. And then they speed up. And then they slow down. And then they speed up. And then it's on. (laughs) Road. Rage is rash retaliation. Somebody says something you don't like, and all of a sudden you say something back. Quick retaliation. Quick to return. Tit for tat. You did this, I'll do this. Right? It's quick. Boom, boom, boom. And we start playing ping pong in our relationship. And God says, no, 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 no. That's not my character. That's not my character. Don't be quick to return evil for evil. Jesus said, go ahead and just turn the other cheek, would you? See, it's not the heart and the character of of God. Number six, false witnesses. False witnesses. Now, this certainly applies to lying under oath. This certainly applies to saying, I promise, and then breaking your promise. This certainly applies to not being truthful in how you speak, but perhaps it is better understood in a single word, and that is gossip. Gossip. Having false witness. In other words, did you verify before you shared it? Or are you just saying something to say something? Did did you... Uh, did you realize or do you realize is that actually your information to share or is that somebody else's story to share? Gossip. False witnessing. Right? It, does it encourage somebody? Does it paint them in the best possible light? Or are you trying to throw a little shade on them and do it in a Christian way? That's called gossip. Having false witness. Does it bring a solution or is it only a criticism? Do you have, have you already said what you want to say? Have you already said it to that person? If you haven't, if you don't have a solution, if it isn't painting them in the best possible light, is it, if it isn't your information to share, if it isn't your story to ask, if it isn't those things, then shut your mouth. In the name of Jesus, of course. You got to zip it. Why? Because you're bearing false witness. 
How quickly do you change the subject when somebody walks in, when your boss starts to come, right? Minimize that chat window real quick. Don't want to be looking over your shoulder, see what you've been saying, right? When somebody else walks in the room, like, oh man, uh, yeah, hey, how are you? We were just talking about how great the weather is today, right? You lie, lie, lie. What? In your heart, in your heart, those are conversations that are contrary to who God is. God is not up in heaven whispering gossip to the angels about you. He's up there believing the best about you and finding an excuse to be excited about you. That's who God is. That's his character. We can't be bearing this false witness. This gossip cannot be on our lips. God abhors it. He hates it. It is so anti his character. Here's the seventh one. Stirring up strife in the community. Stirring up strife in the community. It literally means somebody who distributes arguments. Let me ask you, have you ever been in conversation and you say something like, well, let me play the devil's advocate for a minute. Have you ever posted something just because you wanted to spark some reaction? Are you always looking for an argument? Always distributing something. Always distributing another argument, another point of view, another thing here and another thing there. I mean, is it really considered a critique at this point? I don't think so. Are you always on the quick to distribute an argument within people in the community, within the church of Jesus Christ, within people that God is saying, this is what it's about. We live in a heightened society right now where arguments are the tone of all conversation. Church, it's time to be different. I don't care if it's a funny meme. Is it bringing a solution or adding to your own point of view an argument? If it is, don't share it. Why? Because you're just helping to distribute an argument. Yeah, but it's the right point of view. Is it? Is it the full point of view? Is it helping bring about the redemptive potential in every person point of view? Or is it just your political point of view? There is a difference, friends. There is a great difference. And every time we're doing these things, every time we're playing the devil's advocate, every time we're choosing to be somebody that challenges an authority, always you are distributing strife amongst the community. Brothers and sisters in Christ, fellow people who love Jesus and people that Jesus himself died for. Those characteristics, those seven things are so anti-God. Now why in the world would God give such a description? Why would God take time out of Solomon's wise writings to give us such a clear description on the character of God? Here's why. If you're taking notes, write this down. God describes his character so that we can develop our character to actually reflect his character. I'll say it again. Why would God describe? Here's why. God describes his character so that we can develop our character. So that it actually reflects his 
character. That's why God describes his character. I've heard it said that communication brings freedom. It's hard to reflect a God whom you do not know. And so God takes some time to clearly articulate some of his, his characteristics that aren't a part of his life so that when you see those things in your own heart, in your own home, in your family, you know, okay, we've got to develop some different characteristics here. Something is growing that is not good fruit. Characteristics are the fruit. Your character is the fruit of the seeds that you've planted in your heart. Well, pastor, how do you know that? Well, because last week we read in Proverbs where it says, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. In other words, all of life flows from your heart. Above all else, the scripture says, guard your heart. Why? Because from there is where life comes. That is the soil that grows the characteristics of your life. So if there are things growing in your life that are characteristics that maybe are on that list of seven that we just had, maybe it's time to change what you're sowing into your heart. How do we sow things into our heart? Through our ears? What we listen to? Who we listen to? What we watch? What we read? Last week we were talking about influence, and I was talking to teenagers. I could have talked to all of our adults and said, some of the things that are coming out of your heart that is contrary to faith is because the news system that you've been watching 24-7. You need to change what you're watching, what you're reading, and watch how it begins to change in your heart. I quit watching the news a long time ago. I'll read a few things from a trusted place here and there, but I'm not watching the nightly news. Why? Because they're building everything off of a fear tactic. Oh my gosh, this is happening. This is what, can you believe what they said? And here's this, and let me talk about this for a little while. And they meditate on it. What do I mean meditate? Everybody has a conversation and an opinion. It doesn't matter which channel it is that you're watching. There's still an opinion that's being populated that you're meditating on again and again and again, and it often is contrary to the Word of God. So let's get back to the Word of God and seed right things into our heart so what comes out of our heart is actually the character of God, not the character of the world around us. We have to watch what we hear. We have to watch what we see. We have to watch what we say. And when we do that, we insulate our heart and are careful on these things. God describes his character so that our choices that we make won't divide us from our relationship with him. I want to read a scripture to you as we we come to a close today. What's the remedy to all of these things? What's the remedy to this dilemma that we find ourselves in? Where maybe, just maybe, there are some things and characteristics that have developed in our heart that are contrary to the character of God's heart? What do we do if we identify, man, we've kind of got an issue with lying. I mean, that's kind of something, man, we really need to work on that. Pride is kind of helping us talk the wrong thing all the time. We're not completely on it. Maybe for you, it's, it's a gossip thing. You just gossip and gossip, and you know it's an issue, and, and God's highlighting something in your heart today. What's the remedy to this dilemma that we find ourselves in? What's the remedy to the dilemma of having the wrong characteristics being developed in our heart? What's the remedy to those things? Paul gives us the remedy in Galatians chapter 5. 
In fact, he, he gives us another list that is kind of anti-God characteristics, and he points out some things. In Galatians 5, starting in verse 19, it says this, the acts of the flesh, they're obvious, friends. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions and envy, drunkenness and orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this, they're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. Why? Because your, your choices that are developing your character are dividing your relationship with God. God doesn't change. He doesn't move. He's always there and always open. But when we make choices that take us in a different direction from the direction that God is going in, are we catching this? We have to start making different choices to get back on track with the direction that God is going in. And when we get back on track with the direction that God is going in and we start to develop his character instead of our character, we make his godly choices instead of our own choices. We develop a healthy friendship and develop a character that reflects our God rather than one that rejects our God. And so Paul is saying, listen, you got to know these things are important. So all of these things, verse 22, but... The fruit, which comes from seeds that you put in your heart, because what you listen to, what you watch, and what you say, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. It's joy, not entitlement. It's peace. It's forbearance or patience. It's kindness. It's goodness. It's faithfulness. It's gentleness. It's self-control. And against such man, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh, the wrong choices, the wrong desires, the wrong passions. And since we live by the Spirit, it's been made alive in us because we put a faith in Jesus. Let us also walk in step with the Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit is the perfect antidote to these diseases of our heart that create a wrong characteristic. We need love instead of choosing to gossip about other people. We need patience instead of rash retaliation and a quick retort. We need gentleness instead of haughty eyes that are entitlement. We need gentleness instead of that haughty eyes. We need goodness and compassion Instead of having these evil motives of manipulation, we need God's goodness to grow. We need faithfulness instead of a lying tongue. We need self-control instead of people who murder the innocent. We need the fruit of the Spirit to be growing and evidenced and expressed in our lives. And it starts with a decision to say yes to the things of God and no to the things of the flesh. It starts with that decision. I want you to take a seed inventory this week. What are the things people are talking about around you? Are they always gossiping? And that negativity just seems to come out of your mouth too? You're not sure where it's coming from? Take a seed inventory. Are you so quick to get angry and retaliate? Where's that coming from? Take a seed inventory. What are the things you've been watching and listening to? How have you been talking to other people? Do you need to pause a little bit more? Instead of being quick to do, take a seed inventory. Take a seed inventory. What are the things and the people around you? What are the seeds that you're letting into your heart? 
take a seed inventory this week and make a decision that if you've got the wrong seeds coming in, choose to repent and then replant. Repent from those seeds and decide to start replanting God's way back in your heart. Get in his presence. Spend time in prayer. Get in his word. Listen to the word. Get around other people. Godly community. Godly friendships, right? Start getting around people that are going to help reflect the character of God and develop the character of God and not develop the wrong things. You've got to start with repenting. God, I'm sorry. Help me. I'm a liar. God, I'm sorry. I I love the gossip. I love a good piece of juicy information. God, I'm sorry. Because I'm constantly manipulating my spouse to get him to do what I want. God, I'm sorry. Repent. And then start to replant. Lord, help me walk in love today. I thank you that the fruit of the Spirit is alive in me. And every day, Lord, I thank you that I walk in love today. God, I thank you that I walk in patience today. God, I thank you that today I'm going to walk with goodness and gentleness. Lord, I thank you. And you start to replant those seeds with your words. You replant those seeds with God's word. You replant those seeds and watch the fruit begin to grow in your life. Would you stand with me today? Everybody praying in the room today, Father, we thank you that you're here with us. Lord, that you're moving and you're alive. And we thank you for your word that's being planted in our heart today, that it's going to develop something that reflects your character and not ours. All, all, all across this room today, church, if you're here and you say, Pastor, I know this word's for me. There are some things that have been developing my heart that I need to re-repent from and replant new seeds. If that's you, would you just hand in the air so I know who I'm praying for today? Hands, hands up all over the place. Father, you see our hands today. Help us to not only repent from those things, but God, let us replant the right things back in our hearts. Today, God, we want to we wanna be people that reflect your character, not our own characteristics. God, we want to walk in your ways, not make our own choices. God, I thank you for the wisdom today and the honesty of the heart's that are surrendered through this hand up. God, I pray today you would start and stir a work in us so good, so great, so mighty. Lord, that we begin to live in a way that truly reflects you. And we thank you for it. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen.